Hey everyone and welcome to Business Be Unusual. My name is Adam Fasher. It is January 15, 2020. Uh, so I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, I'm joined here by Alex Perrin from the BBU crew. How's it going, everyone? Before we get started, we want to encourage you to get in touch. Uh, we want to make this episode and podcast a little more interactive with the audience this year, and we'd love to hear from you. Send us suggestions or just a message at bbupodcast at umich.edu. Again, that's bbupodcast at umich.edu. Ask us a question, suggest episode topics, or just say hi. We'll spend some time at the beginning of each show reading some messages and answering any questions that you may have. So on that note, we've been getting some great emails from you guys lately uh, listening at home, and we want to kif- kick off this episode with one from a recent admit to us. Yeah, so we want to shout out Nolan Woodle from Seattle. Um, Nolan says, I was admitted to Ross last week. He plans to be an Arbor. Um, and he's been having and listening some to the shows and has really enjoyed it. Um, and he says the show is awesome. And with acceptances rolling out, it would be awesome to hear about an episode advice for incoming students. Thinking about talking about things like prepping for life in Ann Arbor, how to spend our time leading up to school, whether it's traveling or thinking about map projects, or just favorite classes that we've taken so far at Ross. So thanks, Nolan, for that email. Uh, We're very happy you're enjoying the episodes. Now, that's a great segue for the topic of our episodes, incidentally, and completely not planned. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about what you should do after you get into Ross. Uh, We're going to be covering professional, social, and academic topics. And to do that, we have a great panel uh, set up for you guys today. We're joined by Christina Osborne, Christine, and Nick. So why don't we start off with you guys introducing yourselves to folks listening at home, uh, giving your name, short background, and your acceptance history. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm from Taiwan, Taipei, and I'm now class 2020 second year student. I'm actually an MBA, MSI, dual degree student now. And before coming to Ross, I work in a consumer electronic company, a tech company for almost six years at sales and marketing. And last summer, I went to another tech company in Bay Area work for their operation team. So for my post MBA, I'll go back to tech, tech industry. Hi, my name is Osborne. I'm an MBA too, and I come from Ghana. So before Ross, I was a software engineer at a healthcare startup in Ghana. Um, and I was pretty excited to get a Ross offer as an international. I needed to work on getting my visa to be able to get here. Uh, post Ross, I want to go into tech as a product manager. Hi everyone, I'm Christine Zakak. I'm from Washington DC and I'm a second year. Prior to Ross, I was in consulting. I spent the summer doing brand management and I will be recruiting off campus at health and wellness oriented food startups. And then after I got into Ross, I was deciding between which school I wanted to go to, if I wanted to go to school still. And then once I decided, I traveled for a few months and then moved to Ann Arbor. Uh, My name is Nick Campbell. I'm from right here in Ann Arbor, uh, born and raised. Uh, Before Ross, I was in investment management in Chicago uh, with Morgan Stanley. And after Ross, I'm going to go back to Chicago, um, but as a consultant for Bain & Company. so I was a uh, waitlist admit. I did not get into. I was not accepted until May. Um, so I had a little bit shorter time than than a lot of people do um, between actually being admitted and, and showing up. But I'm happy to talk in more detail about what I did and and why I did it. Awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think to start off, uh, what we, we would love to hear from a bit about you guys, and, and Christina, we can start with you, is talk a little bit about the process that you went through getting your acceptance letter, you know, um, how excited were you when you read that? Congratulations, you know, first kind of line. Um, and then just talk a little bit about your process in terms of what went through your head um, and, and what were some of the first things you thought about when you thought about moving to Ann Arbor? Okay, sure. Well, I actually got an admission call in a timing, which is like 2 a.m. off Ann Arbor, which I didn't <laughs> expect that because I'm in Asia. So that was my working hour. So I got a phone call from the previous like, admission uh, officer. And I wouldn't expect like Roswell call student by that time. So when I got the call, I, I was so surprised and I almost cried <laughs> because Ross was my dream school. So I like shouted at my office and all my manager and my colleague know that I got into UMICH and they are so happy for me. And later on, I think it's a series of like meeting classmates and alumni. Before I applied to, during the time when I'm applying for Ross, I was a round two student. And for both round one and round two students, you need to go to team exercise. So by that time, there's around 10 Taiwanese students going to round two team exercise in Japan together. So I tried to collect everyone, although we don't know each other in the beginning, but I tried to connect the name list and build a group so we can travel to Japan together and then we can book the hotel, we can practice the mark interview together. And so we have a group, so I announced the news that I got admission to the news and some other people also get it and some of them are in the wait list. So then it's a series of like talking to the friends, talking to the alums, like get congratulations notes from everyone. And I got a lot of different advice from alums that what you should do before MBA. Some of them just suggest me to sleep more, travel more, <laughs> because you will not have time to sleep when you get into MBA school. And some of them, as an international student, like, English is not our native language. So we also use an online tour or like practice with our friends to improve our English. That's what we do before coming to Ross. So it sounded like, you know, from what you were describing a little bit before, you almost kind of started that social group or that networking mm -hmm. as soon as kind of almost before you got in, but it really benefited you, it sounds yes. like, after you got in because you were able to share that experience with other admits and waitlistees and other people that had applied and interviewed at Ross. I think that's also very special for Ross because I also apply for other schools and we sometimes also have that kind of good for other schools, but it's not that active. Mm -hmm. But only the Ross one is like very active, maybe because the team exercise, so we are going to travel together. Mm -hmm. And also maybe because it's the personality of the people who apply for Ross is more fit into our, our like Ross culture. So people are willing to share, willing to spend time with you, share about their interview experience or willing to know you more before we even get into Michigan. Mm -hmm. And, and kind of Osborne, maybe if I could move to you, and, and did you have a similar experience um, to kind of what Christina was mentioning or was your experience slightly different when you kind of got that, you know, congratulations to into Ross? It was the same. So Brian Johnson, who is in charge of diversity admission, called me um, and I was waiting for the call. I was checking Claire Admit to see <laughs> who has been called yep. and which area they had gotten to. Um, so eventually the call came through. I was very excited because Ross was one of the schools I was interested in. Um, and then after that, it took a while to, to, to come to the earth because I was very high in the sky. Um, and then start thinking about how to get here. And being an international, it wasn't that guaranteed. Sometimes, you know, you could be rejected, um, when you apply for the visa. So I was a bit anxious about that. Um, and so the, mo the time leading to me coming here was trying to make sure I had all my 
um, documents ready for the visa application, which can be stressful. Luckily, I was able to move past that. And then the rest of my preparation was talking to current students who are African about their experiences here and what I should expect um, when I come. Unlike most people, I didn't come for the GBR. I hadn't been to Anabo ever. I hadn't been to the Midwest. So everything was pretty new to me. And I had to, you know, rely on people who had lived here to tell me what to expect and how to prepare. What would you, what advice would you give students that maybe were in a similar position to you in order to just kind of prepare yourself almost a little more so that you could hit the ground running and, and be prepared for that visa process and that process of moving to Ann Arbor? I think uh, the advice I'll give is to ask a lot of questions. I, I was very curious about this place. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos, you know, what's in Arbor, what are the things to see here? What do people usually do around here? Um, and I started reaching out to students who were African um, about their experiences in Enabo, and they were really, really helpful. Um, eventually, we formed a, a, a group me where you know all of us who came from Africa could ask questions. And back home, I found the other Africans who had gotten acceptance into Ross um, based from the the I think it was a Slack group, and so everyone who was admitted was there. And so I look for people who are from Africa and try to start speaking with them to understand what to expect. Eventually, some didn't make it here, but you know, it was a good way to, to start uh, building relationships, asking questions, and you know, preparing for business school. Awesome. I think that that's, speaks a lot to just the community, you know, not just when you're in Ann Arbor, but the community of Ross outside of Michigan as well. Um, Maybe we want to kind of flip to Nick and Christine. Uh, it sounds like you guys may have had a bit more kind of traditional pathways in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, maybe being able to come to GBR and visit Ann Arbor before you applied and after you got in. Um, do you guys want to talk about your process a little bit, Christine, if you would kick off? Sure. So I applied round one. So I got in in December, took the month off to not think about anything. And then in January, similar to Christine and Osborne, talked to a lot of alums, um, current students, and then just talk to my mentors. Is this the right choice? I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to school anymore at that point. I had a little bit of a crisis there. So it was nice to talk to all the people that had been a part of the process. And then after I decided, I went to GBR, I continued talking to students. Now it was more like, where should I live? What housing in Ann Arbor is a little bit of a process. So um, getting advice on stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I went to GBR. Um, but at that point, I'd already committed. Round one, you have to commit before GBR. Um, so for me, GBR was more about like looking for housing, learning more about like the classes and activities I might want to do on campus. My partner came, and that was actually the best benefit of GBR because I think he hadn't known as much about like he generally knew about business school but every day he'd be like oh my god have you heard of like this this and this and I was like yeah I was thinking about applying he's like you should definitely apply to this so that was cool I think it really made him understand how busy it was going to be once we got here they do a really good job of involving the partners especially in GBR kind of like right from the onset yeah and they they make it like a pretty packed weekend so I feel like partners get a feel for what school's like Mm because GBR is kind of like school. Um, and then I left, I think, a few days after GBR to travel for, I was gone for a few months right after that. What kind of advice would you give to students that are planning on coming to GBR in terms of planning ahead, whether it be looking at certain areas they want to live in, setting up housing appointments? What kind of like tips and tricks would you give them? Yeah. So definitely, if you, if, especially if you know, like, pretty sure you want to come to Ross, 
I would get a feel for Ann Arbor, get a feel for the different neighborhoods, practice like walking from that neighborhood to school. <laughs> I, like I walked from Munger, I walked from like the 618 area. Um, make some appointments. My advice though would be not to feel a ton of pressure. I, I felt pressure to like find an apartment during GBR mm. and you have, a, you have time. There are a lot of housing throughout the summer. Stuff mm. always works out. Um, so that would be another advice. And then... I think I would also yeah. add, right, you, you kind of came in knowing that you would live with your mm. partner. Um, for me personally, I came into GBR, didn't really know anyone that I wanted to live with, didn't exactly know the layout of Ann Arbor. So I kind of got to GBR and I felt a little bit behind the eight ball. And I think in hindsight, I definitely could have prepared a little bit more mm. and thought about, mm -hmm. you know, if I was in New York and I went to a New York Ross happy hour and connected with people there and started to think, okay, maybe I'll live with some of these people that I met and connected with. And then um, you can kind of get together again at GBR and talk about where you might want to live. So yeah. I think that kind of preparation does help a lot. But definitely have fun. I feel like there's a little bit of pressure to like make decisions at GBR, <laughs> but and that makes it a little more pressure, but it's supposed to be fun. They do like an awesome programming. And I think as a doing it my lot so last year, I like had really fun attending as a student GBR. So that would be my advice. And then Nick, do you want to talk about a little bit your process in terms of you got in a little bit later. How were you able to find housing and people to live with when you when you kind of got an uh, entrance into Ross and, and wanted to come? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was probably there's pros and cons to this, but it, it was a pretty quick process for me, right? I, um, I got in early May um, and then like immediately had to start thinking about this kind of stuff. I wound up um, living uh, with some some guys who were not at Ross. There was a, a dental student and a guy who was a dual in the Ford School and the School of Public Health um, that I just kind of knew those guys through some friends. Um, so that's what worked out for me. But I will say, you know, kind of similar to, to Christine, it felt like this big, you know, what if I have to what – if, what if I don't find a place to live or whatever, but – Will I live on the street? Right, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess I, I could have lived with my parents, but that that would have been, I don't know that I would have lasted or my parents would have lasted. Yeah, the um, street might be better. Yeah. Um, but there were a number of opportunities that did present themselves, um, whether it was in Munger or whether it was, you know, with some other people. Um, How did you go about finding those? Like, what are some of the methods that you guys would recommend using to find housing in Ann Arbor? Um, so I liked your idea about connecting with people in, in wherever you are. Um, while you're at GBR, kind of even just walking around town, a ton mm -hmm. of a ton of places will just have. There's a lot of houses around here that'll just have a sign out front that say "Call X Y Z." Chances are, some of them are going to be not available. Some of them are going to be available. Um, but you know, I think I think Munger is a is a great option. A lot of people that I know that live in Munger really like it. It's really nice. I love living in Munger. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, oh. a dorm. Dorm to me didn't sound great, um, but now that I've been in there and seen what it's actually like and, and all the common spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so for the listeners at home, Munger is the graduate residence that Ross students have the ability to live in. So it's kind of one of the housing options that they will present. And I think for GBR, you we get this big 
kind of PDF of a bunch of different neighborhoods in Ann Arbor um, and, and kind of residences and co- leasing companies. And Munger will be one of those options in there. It's very close to Ross. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be able to walk in a short distance. When I was here for GBR, a second a student took me to their apartment and showed me Munger. So like to your point about meeting people and talking to students, like current students are happy to show you their apartments or people sent me videos of their apartments. Like, do you want to move into this apartment? I was like, okay, maybe. Yeah, we, we visited Ann Arbor like the October before we got admitted on a campus yeah. tour and we just uh, spoke to some current students that lived in Woodbury, which is one of the big neighborhoods uh, to those listening at home that a lot of us live in. And they just showed us their home. Like, we weren't even admits yet. They were just like, yeah, of course, let's do coffee. We'll show you around. So take advantage of the current students and alums. I think for international students who couldn't get to, like, GBR before coming to Ross, it's also beneficial to, like, stay in touch with your team exercise teammate. But when I was in team exercise, I know some, like, Japanese, Thai students. And after we get enrolled into Ross, even we are from different country, we still keep in touch and we share all the resources. I think it's pretty benefit because we are all from small country in Asia. So our community is kind of small. Our MBA too do have a lot of resource about the housing and what to pre- prepare as an international student before coming to Ross. And we can share this kind of like information to students from other country like in Africa or in Europe. And just to add, all the African admits ended up at Manga. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we, we didn't get the opportunity to come see the place and it was the the easiest option for us. You just apply and then you get in. And we're, we've not been or haven't been disappointed living at Manga. So I, I lived there for two years. Um, and so if you're an international and you're not able to come to an Arbor to explore and see where you want to live, uh, Manga could be an option for you. Yeah. Also, a lot of people uh, don't realize that when you visit Ann Arbor in GBR, it's uh, April or May. So you're here during the summer. And then people are like, oh, this is a 20, this is a house that's like a 20 minute walk from school. It's fine. I'll do it. Like it's, it's level, no, no heels or whatever. And then you remember, you forget that uh, winter is coming. And when winter comes, yeah, things get different. Yeah. Very different. I, I would also say that's something to consider also, not just in terms of walking, but also think about, um, you know, being in a, a apartment building that has covered parking or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these things you don't think about when it's warm out, um, kind of consider when it's a bit, you know, when it's a bit colder, what's my walk going to be like, or, um, where's my car going to be able to be, is it going to be freezing cold outside when I get into it, that type of thing. So yeah, also, just some additional things to consider. Of course, like a public transportation too. Uh, that's a yeah. big thing if you're yeah. going to live further away from school. And a lot of the residences, you know, be sure to ask when, when you come here for either GBR, you're doing your research. Um, if you are living in some of the resident, residences like Woodbury that are further away, mm-hmm. for instance, Woodbury has a shuttle that they run, yep. you know, Larry. a couple times a day. Um, so try and think about those things, how you're going to get back and forth to class, ask about transportation options. Um, you know, for instance, one of the more popular buildings on campus is the yard and the yard has a gym in it. So you don't have to feel like you walk to the gym when it's 10 degrees outside and there's two feet of snow on the ground. You can just go downstairs. Mm-hmm. Okay, now uh, before we move on to the next segment, I, Osborne, I know you touched on it uh, when you did your intro, but I want to ask uh, Christina and Osborne, can you maybe give some advice to our, our international audience at home about all the visas and the stuff you 
uh, you would recommend to get started with as soon as uh, you get the acceptance in order to save yourself trouble or pressure or stress yeah. later on? I think after you get the acceptance, school do have very like complete policy and document to release to you. But actually, the visa policy will be very different depends on where the country you are from. So my advice will be consult with the current student, which has the same like nationality as you, especially. As also mentioned, we need to prove that we have the financial ability to come to business school, and you need to get the bank statement. And in Taiwan, every bank release very different bank statement, and not all of them is acceptable from the U.S. like bank or the school policy, because we are even using our own way to count the year, not like 2020 or 2019. So some of my classmates encountered this kind of difficulty when we are applying for the document to apply for the visa. So. The first advice will be talk to the current student. The second one will be, of course, apply as early as possible, because when by the time you are getting the visa, you need to go to like the AIT in Taiwan. I mean the. American office to do the interview, and it's not only student from business school. It's like all kinds of student going to U.S. need to do the interview by a very short timing. So it's very hard to book a slot to do the interview. So book the interview as soon as possible and get all the document earlier. Especially like you need to sometimes you need to go back and forth and talking to the person in charge at Ross to make sure all the document is qualified. Yeah, just to add.、Um It's, it's a similar experience, but the process in Ghana can be long.、Um, a lot of people move to the U.S. from Ghana, and so you know you have to be quick in in finding a time slot, and you have to be also quick in filling the document and making sure you have all the requirements. I think the the challenge for me was getting、um, my bank statements and the amount of money required to prove that. I can be able to pay for my fees. I didn't have all the money, so I had to you know, ask friends to then put some money into my account, and so that process、um, took some time. And you know, preparing for the interview, going for an advice session at the embassy or at the at the high commission to 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 have a feel of what they will be asking you、um, was also key to me、uh, preparing for the 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 visa interview. At the end of the day, it worked out. Uh, but it was stressful because you know coming from Ghana, you, you do not know if you are going to get the the visa or not, and it can be high stress. But I think for all the the admits from Ghana who came to us, no, no one was denied the visa. Everyone、um, got the visa. So I think that will probably stay same for other candidates in the future. One more thing I need to add is I know a lot of people travel before coming to business school, but you need to pay attention to the visa timeline because you need to apply for U.S. visa. And for us, we have Amtrak. Is student will travel together before the semester really started, and some of the country also need visa for it. And for myself, I also plan to travel to Japan before I come to U.S. So by that time, my passport is like. All the way in different countries' office, getting my visa. So you need to be very careful not to make sure you can travel with your passport if you are applying for U.S. visa, especially. Yeah, that's great advice.、Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Now,、uh, before moving on to the next segment,、uh, we have just a short message from our sponsor for this episode, which is incidentally GBR. Congratulations to all those accepted to the Ross class of 2022. Come join the future classmates for Go Blue Rendezvous (GBR), our admitted students' weekend, which will take place April 2nd to 4th. 
GBR's goal is to engage admitted students in content and experiences showcasing Ross and its strengths over a few fun days at the beginning of April. With this goal in mind, GBR focuses on providing admitted students with a well-rounded view of Ross's academic and career opportunities, panels to hear from and speak with current students of all backgrounds, and events to see student life in Ann Arbor. You'll have a chance to connect with future classmates, hear about diverse student experiences at Ross, enjoy dinner at the Big House, and much more. Awesome. Thanks, GBR. Now, for our next segment, we'll be talking, we covered more of the social lifestyle, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we want to cover more uh, the professional um, aspect of making that transition. So, Nick, we know you, you mentioned that you had a very short time frame in which to make the transition from being employed to being a student. So I want to kick things off with you. Um, so just, you know, when did you decide to quit your job once you got accepted? And more importantly, how would you recommend to people at home to make that announcement and facilitate that transition without burning bridges or, you know, keeping those connections uh, healthy for post-MBA purposes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I was, I was pretty blessed. My my employer, my bosses um, were very happy for me. I did not, I had not breathed a word of my application process um, until I had gotten in and said like, "Hey, this is what I'm doing." Um, I had somebody else write my recommendation and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I. You know, I was a little bit nervous about telling them just because mm-hmm. you never know. You're about to create a little bit of a headache for them. Um, but I, I told them right away. Uh, you know, I said, hey, this happened yesterday or the day before I, I got in. I'm going to go. Um, and I gave them, I think I ended up giving them like two months. You know, hey, I'm going to leave in 60 days. Um, and they were, they were very happy about that. Um, so I think that allowed me... Uh, in hindsight, some, some pretty cool opportunities. Um, the fact that I gave them that much notice, uh, A, it was just better for them. They were able to find somebody to fill my seat. They ended up reorganizing a little bit, but um, it gave them some time to figure out what they wanted to do mm-hmm. rather than just, hey, I'm leaving in two weeks. Um, but I got to be a part of it, right? It, it, it allowed me to be a part of the um, more strategic, hey, we're running this, this group, what do you think the best way is to run it? How would you, what, what would you look for in your replacement? Do you think we need to do it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to be involved in, in some of that. And then once I was, uh, you know, kind of for lack of a better term, like not, not trying to keep going down the path that I was going within Morgan Stanley, um, I was able to raise my hand for some more interesting stuff um, and just say, hey, I don't, I don't know what this project is going to, do for me. Um, I don't know, you know, where it kind of fits in, but it seems interesting. Let me, let me, but I'm living anyway. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, and and it's not, um, you know, I I don't really care if this is going to go on my performance review at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, it was almost like business school in that, in that sense, right. It, it kind of allowed me the chance to, um, you know, Hey, I'm going to step out and take a risk and, um, and try to take on X, Y, Z, whatever we were doing. Um, and then, you know, toward the end it, it, uh, you know, we, they had a lunch for me or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm still in touch with them. There's a couple of people, um, that I talk to 
probably once a month. And then as I've been back in Chicago interviewing, I've, I've met up and gone and seen the office. And, um, so I think giving the notice, um, and letting them know, you know, Hey, I'm not leaving for a competitor. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving because this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and the, the career path that I was on, uh, if I were to have continued on that path, I would not have needed an MBA. Um, it was more of a CFA path. Um, so they kind of knew like, okay, he's just kind of transitioning. So the fact that I was upfront about it and, and gave them a bunch of notice, uh, I think they really appreciated it. And, and at least from my perspective, the relationship has remained uh, very solid. Awesome. Uh, now, what you mentioned at the end about um, managing not only the announcement and the transition, but also what time you have left at your work and how to use it, that's a great segue because I want to open it up for the rest of you guys. Uh, if you have anything to share about that, like once he knew you were going to leave and your bosses knew or not, did, you, did it change your perspective into how to use the rest of your time at work to help you prepare for Ross? And if you didn't now being, you know, a second year MBA student, are there things that you wish you would have done with your last months at work in order to be better prepared for Ross? Yeah, um, I would, I guess in a similar way, um, I was working in consulting, so we moved around a lot and I worked at a firm where people were very open about going to school. So my teams had known for like a year and a half that I'd been applying. Um, but I think the last role that I took I was more willing to wait on the bench for this one specific project I thought would be really like a great experience because I knew my metrics weren't going to matter as much and people were supportive. They were like, well, it's probably your last project. Um, I also, at the end, maybe this is more consulting in nature that this would happen, but um, I think I decided officially in March I was going and then officially put my notice about a month later. My last month was I ended up getting off my project and I think I had two or three weeks where I was just meeting with people, like having lunch, catching up, like networking a ton to say farewell. And that was a really nice way to like end my time. I think you would have had that anyway, but with two weeks, you know, you finish, like I had two weeks on my project and then I had two or three weeks at the firm that was just like a farewell. I went to lunch every day. It was great. <laughs> so I would, you know, if you are in that environment or can have that space, like Yeah, get coffee with everyone you've ever worked on in Teams and have that farewell coffee and lunch. It was really nice. Try and preserve that relationship. Yeah, yeah. in a way that I don't think you have the time usually when you put in your notice. And, and so it sounds like you left on, the, on a bit of the earlier side. Did you yeah. travel after you left? And if so, is that something you would recommend to incoming students? Yes, so I did travel. I traveled um, like two months. I came back. I'm in the consortium. So I came back for their orientation program and then the Forte conference. And then I traveled again a little after that. And I just hung out with friends for the rest of the summer. Um, yeah, I think you have the rest of your life to work. And I think as much as you, I mean, it is a financial burden. Like that is something else when you're thinking about your finances. If you're traveling all summer, you need to be able to pay for that. Um, but yeah, as much time off as you can take. Even now, like I feel like I don't get a lot of time to go home and see my friends and family at home. Because there's always a trip here. So you go on fall break and you're traveling. Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I never get to go home anymore. Uh, I thought I would be going home a lot more. So enjoy the time. Like, take, even take a couple of weeks to just like go sit at home and like go catch up with like your high school friends because you might not be home for a few years <laughs> in that capacity. So, um, 
I know we talked about this before the episode, and you probably mentioned it earlier, but I know that a big part of your pre-ROS experience was consortium and the opportunities that it presented for you. So that's a great segue for us to discuss the professional aspect of you know, conferences or mm -hmm. uh, pre-MBA internships and all that sort of stuff. So can you walk us a bit through uh, what consortium is, what happened, like what was your experience yeah. there and what are your takeaways from it? Yeah, so the consortium is an organization of schools that is that are committed to supporting underrepresented minorities in business. So a little through the process, but really through business school and post business school. Um, a lot of the process starts um, with the orientation program in June. Um, that's about a five, six day recruiting event. Um, and then the Forte conference is usually right after right before. So mm -hmm. I also went to that. Um, so that was my process with that. But what's really great about the consortium community and consortium is the school network is super strong. So like we had consortium, um, people reached out from the consortium once we got in, we had group me's and communities that talked and then we start recruiting really early. I think it's early June. So in April, we started our resume reviews. I had a buddy, um, I talked to people in the consortium who recruited some more things and you know by the time you have to apply for those internships by the end of May I think so you have to have your resume ready and be ready to be interviewing it's not nearly the same level of interviewing as school but you need to have your answers on like why this field be able to do some casing um, depending on your field more or less of that so just so, to be clear that's kind of the exception to the rule right for just consortium people that are involved in the consortium, like normal Ye recruiting doesn't start. Yes, normal recruiting students. doesn't. Um, I just want to make sure I don't freak yes. people out. <laughs> but if you are going to um, any early diversity recruiting for consulting firms will have weekends, there's Forte events, there's a finance one and a general one. Um, I believe, I think veterans have one, a conference as well, but you can fact check that. There's a couple of conferences that happen before school start. And if you go to any of those, you will be early recruiting at those. Not the extent of consortium, but um, actually, I, I believe the reason rosters now have to submit their resume start working in August is because they found that it was so helpful that consortium students were starting so early. Um, but yeah, that was a, a lot. So that meant for anyone who's going through any of those early recruiting, you have to like know what companies you're going to be dropping your resume for, be ready to start interviewing. Um, I was traveling during that period, so that was like a lot to try to think mm -hmm. through. Um, but I did recruit at consortium. I got at consortium's orientation program, OP, which I'll call it, moving forward, and I got my internship out of OP. Awesome. So, yeah. So I think yeah, that's a sure. good transition then to maybe open it up to, you know, people that weren't necessarily in consortium from a professional development side. I think, um, you know, she mentioned a lot of the things you can do over the summer to get ready, like mm -hmm. preparing your resume um, or, you know, reaching out to an alumni uh, or current students. Um, did you guys take advantage of those opportunities and, and anyone specific or any tips that you would give it, 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 incoming students in terms of, you know, getting ready from a professional perspective over the summer before you land here in Ann Arbor in August? 
I think for me, I'm kind of surprised how intense and how fast the schedule moves after like going to my first year of MBA. Like resume need to be ready on September, and all the corporate coming to the campus on October, and then you need to submit all the application on November and December. So I think during the summer, it will be very helpful if you get chance to talk to some current student or alumni, because if you can lock down what is your plan A and plan B on your recruiting target, it will be pretty helpful. For me, I was still like trying to figure out whether I want to go to consulting or tech or healthcare in September. But you'll find that the time is not enough for you to try everything out. So if you can know what exactly the position is, and if that fit into your imagination during the summer, and prepare your resume and your like cover letter and your self introduction like Odyssey to. Toward that target, I think that will be much more helpful. So, so you had mentioned that you know you were a bit late to the game, but yeah. but you did certain things that you know、uh, kind of drove you down one path or another.、Um, what are some of those things that you know students could do in the summer, whether it be contacting alumni or looking at you know going on LinkedIn and looking at people's career paths? What were some of the things that you did that September that kind of helped you decide what path to go down? I think starting from the current student might be easier because on LinkedIn and on the alumni like. Alum, I see there are so many people,、mm-hmm. but current students are easier to reach out, and they are maybe in the end of August. They are in the end of their summer internship, so they kind of know whether they like the industry, and、yeah. they kind of know what they can share with you. So I will suggest to start from the current student, and if you feel you are especially interested in certain paths, you can ask current student to introduce to other alumni, and I will say like. Michigan and overall, like Ross alumni, they are so helpful and willing to share. All the email I send out to alum, I never get a rejection. Even they are very busy, they will still tell、mm-hmm. you, "Well, I'm very busy this month, but maybe we can schedule another call like two weeks later or like one month later." And they are willing to share their experience, no matter how many years they have graduated. Maybe they already forget what they learned from the business school, but they still have the networking and they still. They still see like Ross as a very big family. Yeah, yeah. Just to add, I didn't have the luxury of participating in any of the events. I I quit my job very close to moving to the US, and and so I I didn't have the chance to participate in any of the diversity or early recruiting events.、Um, and I I would say I struggled a bit when I came to Ross、um, to 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 start recruiting. You know, I had to work on my resume from scratch. I have, I had to start reading about consulting from scratch at Ross,、mm-hmm. uh, just because you know I. Once I got here, I realized everyone was interested in consulting, and I wanted to give it a shot.、Um, so it was very stressful for me, but it all worked out,、um, and I think it eventually will. Even if you don't have the opportunity to start working on your resume or talking to alumni or reading up about. The, the career path you want to take. If you have the opportunity, you should do it. But if not, I think the there are, there are enough structures when you start the program、um, to get you ready for whatever career、uh, path you want to focus on. And I loved the tips too about like、um, talking to students, especially who are interning,、mm-hmm. because when you talk to them over the summer, you get to hear the highs and lows. Because you know mid. Like seventy five percent of the way through the internship is when people might get a little frustrated, but when they finish, people might be like love the intern or they hate it. But yeah, you're gonna only hear certain perspectives. So it was really cool. The few students I talked to over the summer, they had very. It was cool to hear the different perspectives they had when 
you talk to them during the summer and then when they got back to campus. So, yeah. so, so just to kind of summarize, I think a, a lot of really, really good tips and tricks. Um, it sounds like from you know everyone's perspectives here, definitely take advantage of some time off before mm-hmm. you arrive in Ann Arbor in August. Plan to be here August 1st for, for the beginning of orientation. Um, so if you can and you have the financial means to travel and take some time off, do it. Um, but also, you know, take advantage of that time off. Be prepared. Start early with your resume and thinking about kind of your career options in terms of your different uh, A, B, C, D. Um, and then get in contact with current students. I think, you know, everyone at Ross is really willing to talk to perspectives, to give their opinion and to share some light. Um, so take advantage of those opportunities, whether it be connecting through LinkedIn or the CDO um, or, or even the academic advising office. Yeah, just want to add a last thing uh, regarding the networking uh, you'll learn it here to everyone listening at home when you get here, but uh, the Ross Alum Network, i.e. people that work in the companies that you might want to work in, they're your best resources into getting a foothold in these companies. And you'll be doing it when you're here, but if you can get a head start on it, if you can just you know shoot an email to uh, anyone who's working in a company you're interested in and saying, I got admitted, I'm going to start next fall. Is it okay if we talk now just so I get a sense of... Uh, the company that's going to do uh, wonders for your networking and recruiting process later on save you a lot of time. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Um, so let's go to our next segment now uh, and talk a little bit about academics and the classroom here at Ross. Um, so I think you know a lot of students will be excited uh, to come to the classroom to start at Ross. Can, can you guys give them a little bit of a sense of what that first semester is going to be like when they land on the ground here at school? Um, well, the first semester is going to be dominated by the core. Um, for, for many people, that's all you take. And for some people, they're waiving accounting or finance or, or something like that. But even those folks, um, the majority of it's still the core. Um, what, what is the, can you talk a little bit about just kind of what the core consists of? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the general edu- the gen ed classes of a business school. Um, so they're all business classes, but it's, it's the stuff that you would expect an MBA from any school really to have under their belt with an MBA degree. So accounting, finance, statistics, operations, strategy, marketing, Marketing. econ, econ, (laughs) I think we might've just named them all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, before you go on to your, your electives and, and your map later on. Um, and I think especially for the students that don't necessarily come from a traditional business background, those can be a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, we're all second years here. Uh, I think with the perspective of being removed from that, they weren't quite as bad as we might have thought they were um, a year ago. But uh, I, I do think that people often find the first two quarters to be the most academically stressful, um, whether that's deserved or not, um, just because those are classes that you might not choose. It might not be something that you're directly interested in. Um, I do think they're all valuable and there's a reason that you're, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to get an MBA, there's a reason that you want an MBA. And so there's a reason you should know accounting and there's a reason you should know economics. Um, but if that's not something you have exposure to before, um, it can be a little bit more difficult. So, um, you know, as far as preparing for that or, Mm -hmm. or knowing what to expect, um, it's not a terrible idea to just get some sort of super basic foundation for, for that kind of stuff. If that's not a career that you, that you come from. Um, and you, I mean, honestly, like Khan Academy, 
mm-hmm. um, or Coursera, or, Coursera, YouTube, or even just, yeah, Investopedia, super. But you don't have to buy a, a no, three hundred no, no. page textbook and and read through it. Um, but but just kind of familiarizing yourself with with some of the really basic stuff, um, and just mentally, like it's going to seem like a lot, but everybody's going to go through it together. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to make it through it. Um, and, and it'll be fine, but it's in the moment it can be a little bit overwhelming. I think there's also a big transition period in terms of you're going. Most most admits are coming from jobs and working for several years, and that transition back to the classroom. I think personally, I found was a little bit surprisingly difficult in terms of remembering how to study and like remembering mm-hmm. that you had to do certain readings before classes. And that adaptation takes a little more effort than you might think, and is is a little bit of a struggle sometimes. I. I'd recommend um, if you have studied business and that is your background, um, waiving classes. I really appreciate the ones I did and there were classes I wish I'd waived and I didn't. And then because the classes are going to be geared, like you said, to everyone like I was a finance major. I shouldn't have taken intro to finance because I didn't really pay attention because I knew it. And then it got harder and I should have just waived it from the beginning. And then the classes I did waive, I was able to you know, balance the core with like a fun elective, which was really nice for a semester. It took like a really, took negotiations. It's a super light workload. Yeah, yeah, we were in the same negotiations. That was such a great like break because there wasn't a lot of homework and it really balanced the core nicely. Um, Well, and I remember that was, aside from my Amtrak leaders, that was like the first time that I got a chance to meet some of the second years. Yeah. Um, And it was a really, I mean, negotiation, you got paired up with people every day. So um, it forced you to meet new people, um, but but I'll I'll echo I'll echo yeah. that if if you have the option to waive, um, I would. But yeah. yeah, and if you're worried, like I think I was thinking, oh, I should know more finance. That's why I'm going to take this again. I should have just taken another finance elective later on, and I did do that, and that's where I got a lot more benefit. Um, Christina and Osborne, can you guys talk a little bit about your experiences in the core, uh, specifically related to kind of talk a bit about your section and, and what the section dynamic is like and um, and talk a little bit about it from that perspective? Like talking about waiving the course, I also feel if you know, if you have the skill already, if you waive the course, it's a good idea. But I will not suggest people to waive too much too many courses because all the core course you will take together with your section. So if you waive them all oh, then you will not know the people in your class. And as an international student, so I came to a new country. It's my first time to live in the U.S. and in the West Coast. So I feel very grateful to have a section with 80 people in the same classroom, and we take all the core course together. And I really enjoy our section dynamic. We have like section activities almost every week, and people are very open-minded to students like me who is new to the U.S., don't know the culture, and don't know what the joke everybody's talking about, and don't know all the drinking game of the U.S., but people are willing to teach you during the section party. And I also feel section is a very good support team for academic-wise. For example, I'm from... I, I was a BBA during undergrad, so I have taken most of the course previously, but many classmates are from different backgrounds. So for STAT or ECOM, our section, I think a lot of sections will have like the support team or people who is good at it will volunteer to teach others. And they sacrifice their own time to have a specific time every week to 
answer people's question about econ, especially before the final exam, I think is that that's very supported and very useful. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk about the section bit, but I'll start from how overwhelmed I was um, coming <laughs> into into school. So, you know, I come from Ghana, very, very different culture. I haven't done any of the business courses. I was a math major in college and I worked as a software engineer. And so, you know, coming to business school was a, a new, it was a transition. I had to do all the core classes. I didn't waive anything. And I also had to, or I also took up extracurricular activities. So I was the communications VP for my section. I was VP marketing for Emerging Markets Club. And I was so overwhelmed. I, 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 I was barely sleeping. I just come and, and I have to sit in all of these classes and try to understand what's going on. And I think my advice would be that for people who are new to business school, who are new to the country, um, who are new to any of these things, to just take their time, um, in, especially in terms of responsibilities outside the classroom. Because, um, you know, it, it can be very tempting to do a lot in, in the community. And there are so many open opportunities. You want to be on funds, you want to be on board, uh, but then it can really add up to your workload, um, especially if you are not a business uh, major in the past. Um, I think my section was really helpful. Um, and the way the section was helpful was that most of the assignments were group assignments. So I got to work with different people. I mean, it afforded me the opportunity to ask questions to individuals, uh, to try to understand how, you know, how people approach the learning, um, um, process. And it helped me broaden my perspective. You know, so most of the, the groups were not static. You had different groups, um, for different courses, or sometimes it just rotated. And so I had the opportunity to learn from individuals. So th that was one of the ways I managed to, overcome my learning um, difficulty in, in the beginning. Otherwise, it was pretty stressful for me. So, so it sounds like, right, that first semester, by all standards, is very busy, right? You, you're taking a lot of classes. There's a lot of club involvement. There's some professional development going on. Um, so I think to the, to the listeners at home, you know, be prepared to kind of be very busy during that time period um, and think about, you know, how, what ways you can do over the summer to prepare uh, and to make that transition easier for yourself. Um, and I would, I would also just add there, I think there is a bit of pre-work still before you enroll in August. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I definitely was surprised at how much time that took. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think <clears throat> being a little bit more diligent and putting a little more effort over the summer when you have a bit more time will pay off in the long term. Uh, I don't know if anybody shared that sentiment, but I wish I spent a little bit more time on my business communications pre-work. <laughs> Same, yeah. Pay the price later. Okay, I think this is all the time we have for today. Um, so I just want to thank all of you for being here. I think it's been very valuable advice for people listening at home, both from a local and international perspective. So just before we finish, I want to do a quick plug for Alex and uh, Jeff from our crew who are launching a new initiative of Business Beyond Usual um, in the next week or so. It's called the Ross Weekly. It's a podcast for current Ross students giving you the lay of the land of what's happening at Ross in that current week. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, it's going to be super awesome. So just stay tuned to our podcast feed. Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Executive producers are Andres Fuentes-Aflik, Bob Needham, and myself, Adam Fasher. Today's episode was produced by Alex and myself. I'd like to thank all of our panelists, 
Nick, Christine, Osborne, and Christina for joining and contributing today, and Jonathan Brockman, as usual, for doing our recording and editing. Thank you so much for listening at home, and until next time, go blue, and this is Business Beyond Usual. Thank you.